0: It has been a few weeks since my latest episode and I apologize for that. I have not been able to do the research needed for this podcast as I've been busy with a lot of other things on my plate. But today we're finishing up the life of Martin Luther. In our first episode, we talked about the start of Martin Luther's life. And last week we talked about his fight with the church and his trial and start of a new church. I ended last week by saying only one man has ever been 100% good. That was Jesus Christ. And every person in history was good and bad. Luther was no exception. His life was full of controversies. If Martin Luther was able to come and visit our world today, I have to wonder what he would think. Martin Luther has always been one of my heroes, but I am fully aware that we would not get along had we lived in the same time period. In this episode, we're going to look at some of the things that were controversial about his life. As Martin Luther was left writing and hiding while the church waited to try him for heresy, the new church was meeting and trying to figure out how to do church. Going back to the basics of the Bible was not as easy as it sounded. People had been raised in the church, and it had and still was the foundation of every part of life. Throwing out traditions and trying to find out what is truth and what had been a lie seemed impossible, and the new church leaders did not agree on what this new church would look like. As we look at that time period, we have to look at it through the eyes of the people living in that time period and not through our eyes with hundreds of years between us. Some of the things that had to be figured out were things like music or even just what the church building would look like. Could people sing, even common people in church? Or was the church too holy for that? Should the church have the best ornaments Or was that being worldly and wasteful? Should babies be baptized or was that for adults? One of the things they did agree on was that everyone should take communion. But did that mean everyone must take communion? For some people, the thought of taking communion was terrifying. They'd been told their whole lives it was holy and sacred. And the idea of taking communion as a common person or a peasant was unthinkable. And... Could they take communion without a sacred cup from the church? Could they take communion with a regular cup? There was just so much to figure out. And Luther did not appreciate that people would have different ideas than he had. And he did not handle well the thought of other preachers teaching anything different than he thought himself. As we'll see in this episode, that was really his downfall. The peasants, however, were so happy for a taste of freedom and they began to see in their own lives the church and the aristocracy was enslaving them and the idea, the birth of the idea of freedom was growing across Germany. At this time, many of the aristocrats were exempt from taxes and the burden of the tax system fell to the peasants. It started in the southwestern part of Germany and then spread over all of what is Germany and Austria today. The cry for freedom. Peasants and farmers rose up to demand freedom, and they were organized. They had 12 articles of demands, and the head of the revolt was called the Ring. Under the Ring was bands made up of about 4,000 men each. The bands were made up of companies with about 500 men each, and the companies were made up of platoons, with 10 to 15 men. The uprising was extremely organized and the man leading it was a man named Thomas Munzer. The 12 articles were summed up like this. One, municipalities wanted the right to elect and remove preachers themselves. Two, preachers were to be paid by tithes, but the forced tithe was to end. Three, since Jesus died for all, the priests and the peasants Then all should be free and equal. 4. They wanted the right to catch, game, fowl, and fish. 5. The forests, that were not private property, should be open to all and not just the high gentlemen. 6. No excessive services demanded from the peasants. 7. No work without pay. 8. Rent should only be what the land is worth. 9. Laws and punishment must be consistent and not at the whim of the council. 10. Meadows and acres that are community land should be open to everyone. 11. Inheritance tax was robbing widows and orphans and needed to end. And 12. They wanted the right to change laws and be part of the system of changing laws. Around 300,000 peasants and farmers rallied to fight for freedom. And they expected to have Luther on their side. After all, it was his writings and teachings that had showed them that the church had been lying to them and had been stealing from them. But Luther did not side with them. He used the passage in Romans chapter 13 verses 1 to 7 to say that the peasants should obey the government ruling over them and not fight for freedom. He wrote a book called Against the Murderous, Thieving, Hordes of Peasants. For the peasants who were fighting, this was shocking and demoralizing. They felt as if their hero wanted to be accepted by the aristocrats and was siding with them for that reason. Many historians also look back and feel the same way. The aristocrats attacked the peasants and over a 100,000 of them were killed. It was a brutal and sad ending to what could have been the start of something amazing in Europe. The Protestant Reformation was the start of the Peasant Wars, and that was why the peasants were called protesters. And today, the term protester is still used, and this is where it comes from. The Protestant Reformation and the Peasant Wars. The Peasant Wars was one of the controversial parts of Luther's life. Marriage was another one. As a monk, he had taken a vow to not marry. However, he soon began to teach that the leaders in the church not only could be married, but should be. He began setting them up with wives to marry. However, any cry for him to be married was brushed aside. Luther believed strongly that he would be captured by the church, tried as a heretic, and killed. And he would not marry, because that would leave a woman as a widow. However, that changed one day. One of the things Luther did was help nuns escape. Many of them had been made nuns as young teenagers and wanted to leave the church, but they were held as prisoners. One of the nuns Luther helped escape was a woman named Catherine von Bora. As Luther did with the rest of the nuns, he helped, as Luther did with the rest of the nuns he helped, he tried to find a husband for Catherine, and he did find someone who agreed to marry her. However, this man took off, and after a few years, it became apparent he was not coming back. During that time, Luther and Catherine became friends, and he began to deeply respect her. In letters he wrote to friends, he began to call her his Catherine, and that was pretty much the writing on the wall. Then he wrote to a friend that marriage would please his father, rile the Pope, cause angels to laugh, and the devil to weep. I don't know if I would want to marry someone who is getting married to please his father and annoy the Pope, but... They were married June of 1525. The controversial part of this comes mostly from his letters that he wrote to his friends. Because I have so many listeners who are young, I'm not going to go into details. But let's just say he talked about the private parts of marriage to his friends. As Martin and Catherine's marriage continued, it becomes clear from his writings that he loved her very much and she loved him. Although the start of the marriage may have been in grounds that were not what I would have wanted to start a marriage on, they ended strong, and that is pretty awesome. Another controversial thing is communion. This was the issue that divided the Protestant movement. The argument was this. Did the bread and wine literally turn into Jesus' blood and body, or was it a way for us to remember his blood and body on the cross? Luther believed it literally turned into the body and blood of Jesus. He believed you ate Jesus' actual body, and drank his actual blood. This is something the Protestant church no longer believes. But during Luther's life, it was a debate that raged, and Luther would mock and ridicule anyone who disagreed with him. He even brought some preachers to tears with his abrasive, condescending words. His abrasive way of writing and speaking was another controversial part of his life. He was always right, and anyone who thought different than him was clearly just an idiot. Not really a charming personality trait. However, the ones who disagreed with him when they needed help, he opened the doors to them and allowed them to come and live with him. So while his writings were harsh, it seemed his heart was not. One example of a person that Luther fought with because they disagreed was Erasmus. Now, I did a whole episode on Erasmus, so if you are interested, please go back and listen to that. Erasmus was a great man of God, and he also stood up to the church. Most people believed he would join Luther in leaving the church, but he did not. Erasmus knew the church was a disaster. He knew it had to change, but he believed that the change had to come to the church, not start a whole new church. He believed strongly that if Luther started a whole new church, that would splinter the church beyond repair. Today, there's more than 45,000 different denominations in the world. In the time of Erasmus and Luther, there was two, the Eastern and Western church. So, perhaps Erasmus was correct. The other major difference between Luther and Erasmus was the idea of free will. Erasmus believed that people would choose if they were going to follow Jesus or not. Luther believed it was God who chose who would be a Christian or not be a Christian. Luther was not able to disagree with Erasmus without attacking him as a person. His attacks on Erasmus were strong and harsh. It seemed to think that for Luther, if you didn't agree with him, that just made you a bad person. Perhaps the hardest time in Luther's life came during the time of the plague. In August of 1527, Martin learned that a good friend of his and a pastor had been arrested, tried, and convicted of heresy. He was burned at the stake. As the man died, he cried out to God, begging God to save him. When he died, his body fell out of the fire. The men carrying out the order had taken his body and pushed it with sticks back into the fire until it was completely burned. Luther was horrified at this news and heartbroken. He was completely overwhelmed with sadness. This also helps us understand why Luther was so harsh and abrasive with those who wanted to change the church rather than leave it completely. As Luther was still reeling from the death of his friend, the plague came to town. The school in the area closed and sent everyone home. People began to flee the town. Christians also ran, but Luther did not agree with this. He said, as a Christian, they should show that there is no need to fear. Luther and his family would stay and be a light in this time period. He not only stayed and refused to run, he opened his home to those who were sick and took care of them. This not only put his own life in danger, but he had a young son, Hans, at the time, and his wife Catherine was pregnant. A young pregnant woman and her husband came to their home. The soon-to-be mother was sick and Luther tried to help her. She went into labor and the birth was horrible. The baby died shortly after birth and then the young lady died in the arms of Martin Luther. Just a few days later, Hans became sick as well. Martin was reeling with sadness and overwhelmed. He was so afraid that Catherine would die giving birth and he was afraid for his young son. December 1527, Catherine gave birth to a little girl named Elizabeth, and immediately Luther was more in love than he had ever been. He adored little Elizabeth, and that tiny girl held her dad's heart from the very start. Hans survived the plague and got better, and for a short time, things were looking up. But just a few months later, May of 1528, little Elizabeth died. Martin's grief at this time was so overpowerful that he began to question his faith. He felt at the time completely abandoned by the church. They had run from the plague and it seemed the church was always fighting over some issue as they tried to figure out what was truth. He was overcome with grief with the death of his friend, the young lady and her baby, and then his own baby. He felt abandoned and alone. On top of all of that, his health was also in decline. He called his health infection, and it was a mixture of gut health and mental health. He battled anxiety, fear, terror, and loneliness, and he also had constant stomach pain and constipation. The attack of mental and gut health came often on to Luther and was a battle that was perhaps the hardest part of his life. It was at this time in his life that Luther picked up a pen, and paper, and wrote this. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, her striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it's he. Lord Sabbath, his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear For God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours. Through him with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. The words of this powerful song, a mighty fortress, have been sung across the world in churches everywhere for over 500 years. The last controversial part of Luther's life was his writings and his treatments of the Jewish people. At the start of Luther's ministry, one of the attacks he had against the church was their treatment of the Jewish people. He wrote a paper called That Jesus Was Born a Jew and reminded the church that Jesus himself was a Jew and the treatment of the Jewish people at this time was wrong. Remember, this is the time at the end of the Spanish Inquisition, And the Jewish people were being forced from their homes and forced to leave the countries where they lived. Luther believed the Jewish people would hear the gospel and convert to Christianity. He thought they would become part of his church. As the years passed and the Jewish community did not convert to Christianity, Luther became angry with him. While some people will say it's because he was bigoted against the Jewish people, I would point out that he treated everyone this way. He befriended them, was sure once they heard him speak, they would agree with him, was shocked when they didn't agree with him, and then turned on them with vile, aggressive rhetoric when they did not join his church. So I don't personally believe it was bigoted behavior against the Jewish people, but rather a personality trait that was his downfall, perhaps pride. However, just three years before his death, Luther wrote a book called The Jews and Their Lies. This was the worst thing that Luther did, and this book has been used to kill literally millions of people. In this book, Luther called on people to burn down synagogues and to make it illegal for rabbis to preach. He called on people to even burn the homes of the Jewish people and to take their money and their possessions. This book was written during one of Luther's bout with infection, and some historians say it was a rambling book that didn't meet the standards of literacy his other books met. Regardless, it's a horror book, and we're going to talk in a few minutes about the outcome of that book. In February of 1546, Luther was called to the town of his birth to mediate a dispute between two brothers. While he was there, he had a stroke. A young preacher in the area came to Luther and stayed at his bedside to document his final hours. This was important because the church taught that if someone died in their sleep, it was a sign that Satan stole their soul. Also, Luther knew the church would lie about how he died. They would claim at his deathbed he recounted everything. None of this was true. While he did die in the night, he was awake and at peace with God. He died at 3 o'clock in the morning on February the 18th, 1546. His legacy would be large, but the greatest thing he did was preach that we could be free. Free from sin and from the penalty of sin. Not because of any great thing we did, but because of the great thing Jesus did with death on the cross. Jesus, when he died, took the punishment, made the payment for the sins of the whole world and every person great and small, slave or free, rich or poor, all had the same freedom in Christ. We can, when we trust God alone and with faith alone, have our sins forgiven. We can immediately be with Jesus in heaven after death. There is no work here on earth or in the afterlife that needs to be done because Jesus has done it all on the cross. In 1934, a pastor from America named Michael King, traveled to Germany for a Baptist convention. He took time after the convention to travel around Europe, and he came to the place where Martin Luther had lived and worked. As Pastor Michael King learned about the work of Martin Luther, and how he had fought for the freedom of the common people, he was inspired to do the same thing for his people in America. He was so inspired that when he returned to America, he legally changed his name from Michael to Martin Luther. He did not just change his own name. Pastor King had a young son. His name was Michael King Jr. The Baptist pastor had named his young son after himself. And now that he had changed his name, he changed his son's name as well. The little boy became known as Martin Luther King Jr. During the same time in history, the Nazis were gaining power. And they needed propaganda to convince the people to turn on the Jewish community. What greater propaganda could they have than the writings of the most famous German pastor, Martin Luther? Quotes from his book Against the Jewish People were printed in pamphlets and posters, and his writings were used in debates when passing laws that took away the rights of the Jewish people. The Jewish people were legally declared human but not persons, and they had no personhood rights, making everything the Nazis did legal in Germany. So the life of Martin Luther inspired the life of Martin Luther King Jr., who would work to give personhood rights to the black people of America. And the writing of Martin Luther was used to take away the personhood rights of the Jewish people in Germany. That, perhaps, is the perfect example of who Martin Luther was. His actions were admirable, and his writings were harsh and often wrong. Either way, There's a reason we had three episodes dedicated to Martin Luther. He is a pivotal point in the history of the church. One man pretty much changed everything. We look at this point in church history as pre-Luther or post-Luther. Next week, we're going to go backward a little bit and look at the life of a woman we talked about in our first episode of Luther's life. Not a well-known woman, but such an interesting woman that I have to tell her story. It is perhaps The most bizarre and crazy story I have ever heard. And trust me, you don't want to miss it. Make sure you subscribe so you won't miss it. In the meantime, for more podcasts, blogs, and videos, check out loraleespeemans.com.